Hello and welcome to We Love Books, the show where we absolutely love kids' books and we know that you do too. I'm Neve, and on today's show I chat to creepy, crawly, loving author, TV presenter, adventurer and many other things besides, Jess French. She grew up in a bedroom full of giant snails, tarantulas and escaping snakes. Sounds like fun? Mm, I might not be calling over to play anytime soon, but it sure makes for fascinating listening. We've got plenty of book chat from you guys on the way, starting with your answers to the following question. Who is your favorite villain from a book? A favorite villain? Um, in the Dark Diary ones, I do read these quite often, but... Um, there is the enemy and her kind of group of friends. It's not really like a villain, but kind of like the mean girls. And yeah, I kind of like them. I mean, obviously not their personalities that they're being mean, but I just kind of like them in the story. I feel like they make the story better. Well, I do have this book called The Princess and the Wizard. And the wizard had her made seven chances because they needed to play hide and seek and if she failed the last one she would be turned to stone. If I would pick one, I would say Bellatrix the Strange. I would pick Bellatrix because she's kind of conniving and you wouldn't expect her to be as big as a character as Voldemort. But then she's also really evil. Well, in the person control, like, well, there are two boy and a girl and they're both bullies. Like the girl, she, she's really good at Chinese burns and the other boy bully is very like, dumb. Evil Pig from the book I wrote in joint writing. Yeah, he likes shiny stuff. He steals like every shiny thing he hears of and sees. He says, shiny is mine. It's time for We Love Reviews. Today, brother and sister duo Noah, who is five, and Sarah, who is three, have been reading the new book from Chris Judge with their mum, Farzana. It's called Eggcorns, from bumbombees to jellycopters. It's a book that explores and celebrates all the little mix-ups with words that small people make when they're learning to talk. Let's see what our crack team of reviewers made of the book. today about the book called Eggcorns. Eggcorns. And let me see who wrote this book. What's the author's name? Chris Judge. What's his name? Chris, Chris Judge. So can you tell me a bit about the book? What's in the book? People, the little ones who's learning what to say. Yeah. And what are they saying? Eleven o'clock. Instead of saying... 11 o'clock. Yeah, is it children who are starting to learn how to talk? Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's even blazer bean. Blazer bean, bean instead, instead of blazer bean. Instead of laser beam. Mm-hmm. Can we ask 
Sarah as well. Sarah, will you tell us? Sarah is T three, and will you tell us about this one? What's this one? Helicopter. Helicopter, and what should it be? Helicopter. Helicopter. Blueberry instead of blueberry. Blueberry. <laughs> Even yeah. ice. Plop instead of ice pop, and I want to tell you something else. Yeah. It's even buffalo. Buffalo instead of buffalo. Buffalo. There's even toaster roller. Roller toaster. And what is the real word? Is roller coaster. Roller coaster. I enjoyed reading this book very much because it was so funny. The funniest part was sleeping brush. Oh, sleeping brush! Yes, I remember that one. And what is it? What should it have been instead? It should have been sweeping brush. Sweeping but my best is ice plop. Ice plop. And my best is jellycopter. And Sarah's favorite part is jellycopter instead of helicopter. And what type of book is this? A is type of book for, for little ones. To, what little ones were saying when they were little ones. And what does that book bring you when you read this book? What does it bring to you? Fun, yes. Oh, it, it's a lot That's of fun. fun. What type of readers might enjoy reading this book? You think? My sister, of course, she likes it. What about you? What about you? Yes. And for which age then? Is this book for you think? I think that age is for five and trees, five and little and ones too. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Sunscreen, window wipe screamers. Sunscreen for sunscreen. Window wipe screamers is what little young kids say when they are learning but it should have been windscreen wipers we we do two last one with sarah what is this one bum bum bee bum bum bee and, and it should I... have been bum bum bee and that Bumblebee. and that yeah is cashew nuts cashew nuts and what's the real word Cashew nuts. Cashew nuts, not cashew nuts. <laughs> okay, well done. Maybe say bye bye. 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 We hope you enjoyed this video. I hope you this video. Now on We Love Books to say Jess French loves animals is probably an understatement. She has led a fascinating life, diving headfirst into all kinds of amazing adventures following her passion for our scaly, slithery, creepy, crawly and furry friends of all kinds. You might know her from the show Mini Beast Adventure on CBBS, or from one of the many books she has written. She has just released a brand new book called Earth's Incredible Oceans, beautifully illustrated by Claire McElfatrick, and I was dying to hear all about it and all about her rather unconventional childhood friends. The first thing I'd like to say is your dad had an exotic insect breeding business. Explain. 
<laughs> yeah, so um, I grew up surrounded by weird and wonderful creatures, which I suppose is how I've come to love bugs and other animals so much. Um, yeah, Dad, he started off with a one praying mantis I think it was and then we got a couple of stick insects and then a tarantula and then it just grew and grew and grew and in the beginning because they weren't allowed anywhere else in the house all of these animals lived in my bedroom oh my god so I was snaring <laughs> with all of these weird and wonderful creatures giant snails scorpions um and he's actually opening a bug zoo next year like it's grown to that extent that we have enough now to fill a zoo and would you ever feel any form of trepidation thinking there is a tarantula in my bedroom if they escape i'm i'm going to have to find that spider um well we had snakes as well and um a couple of times the snakes escaped and um i had uh, an electric blanket on my bed <laughs> and as we all know snakes really like warm places um, so there were two occasions where <gasps> I actually found a snake in my bed when they escaped. <laughs> because we found out that one of the snakes knew how to open the vivarium that it lived in, open the glass door of its cage. And that one that could open it wouldn't get out, but it would always let its cage mate out. <laughs> so we just kept losing snakes. I mean, <laughs> we found them then after a while, usually in my bed or, you know, somewhere warm in my room. But yeah. It was an interesting uh, childhood. And you never felt any fear or anything. You just, that was just part of life. Sometimes there's a snake in your bed. It's all fine. You know, it was from when I was so young. I, I didn't know any different. So no, that, that, in fact, it would have been weird to me not to have all of these animals around me. You sound like you are a character from a kid's book, like a fascinating children's <laughs> book anyway. So, <laughs> no wonder you went on to write so many amazing books. So that's where your love of animals came from. Was it all your adventures with your dad? I think so, yeah. And um, we used to go out looking for, for animals a lot as well, sort of picking up stones and looking under logs and things like that. So it was a combination of my pets and also seeing wild animals, well, wild bugs and, and things like that as well, yeah. And how did your friends take it if they come around to play and there's, you know, a scorpion in the room? I guess looking back now, I, I kind of realised they were actually really quite scared. But it was so normal to me and so confident that I'd sort of be like, and this is my snake and this is my tarantula. And I can now sort of vaguely remember their faces just being gobsmacked. Like, what is this? This is so weird. <laughs> yeah, they must have thought I was interesting <laughs> that's amazing so being a vet was probably a very natural choice for you was it or when did you decide you wanted to train to be a vet well I've sort of gone backwards and forwards with it my whole life really um when I was little I knew I wanted to work with animals um I sometimes wanted to be a farmer sometimes I wanted to be a zookeeper sometimes I wanted to be a vet sort of bounced between those and then Eventually, I actually did a zoology degree first, which was um, just learning about animals. Because at that point, I wasn't 100% sure if I wanted to be a vet. The thing is, there are so many amazing ways to work with animals. So it was really hard to just choose one. And then I really sort of became obsessed with primates. And I loved gorillas and chimpanzees and monkeys. And then I decided I wanted to be a gorilla vet. So oh. I went back to university <laughs> and decided I was going to be a gorilla vet. I haven't quite got there yet because other things have got in the way. But yeah, I don't know. I just always knew I wanted to work with animals, but it's been really difficult to decide exactly how. 
Well, you've never really had to decide, it seems, because you've written so many incredible books. You've got your mini beast adventures at CBBs. You've also worked as an animal handler on Live and Deadly in Deadly Mission Madagascar. Yeah, that was to do with my dad's bug. So quite often, dad will get a request for some of these animals to be used on a TV show or on a film or something like that. But of course, the people there are not really going to be very equipped to handle the animals when they get there. So they'll say, we want a tarantula in our film, but you can't just send them a tarantula because they won't know what to do with it. And quite often he has to send someone along to look after the creatures. And I've been lucky enough to have that job and, and work on cool sets and things using animals. I've also read that you worked with one of the coolest people ever to have been born, Sir David Attenborough. Yeah, so again, that was the same. I was lucky enough that on some of his programs, they needed um, they needed a spider on one of his sets, they needed some cockroaches on another. And um, yeah, I got to meet him when, when I was doing one. So it sounds like you've never had to choose a path. You've just been able to do so many incredible things with amazing animals. And I think I've been really lucky. And I have this amazing book in front of me. And it, I know you've written a ton of books. How many books have you written? Um, Loads of them. <laughs> yeah, a lot. Uh, and I'm writing more all the time. So I, I couldn't even tell you exactly how many at the moment because there's always new ones coming out. Um, but over 15, I would say. Wow. Well, I have an amazing one in front of me called Earth's Incredible Oceans. And it is absolutely stunning. So uh, what I would first love to ask you is... How did you do all this amazing research? Because you've really captured the whole ocean in one book. How did you even start researching that? Yeah, I mean, that was super hard because obviously the ocean is enormous. Yes. Um, and full. it's so deep and so wide and so vast and is so full of such amazing animals. There are were things that I wanted to put in that there just wasn't space to include. So I had to just go for the things that were the most interesting to me and the things that I thought would look the most beautiful in a book or the most fascinating or the weirdest things. Like the things that I just read about and they made me go, wow. Those are the things I tried to just distill into one book. And what did you find most interesting about this book? Like what fact or what interesting thing about an animal did you learn that just blew you away? Oh, I really liked learning about, um, I've got a page on relationships between different animals and how some animals work together. I mean, I loved learning about those. So, you know, there's some creatures who who couldn't really exist on their own anymore because their lives have become so tangled up with each other. So there's the clownfish, for example. It lives within an anemone, which is a little stinging sea creature. And the anemone keeps the clownfish safe by stinging anything that might come near and hurt it. And in return, the clownfish feeds it with its poo. I mean, wow, is that just a perfect relationship? <laughs> <laughs> is a clownfish what Nemo was based on? Yes. Is it? Yes, oh, good. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's Excellent. Okay, so people can envision what that looks like if they think about finding yeah. Nemo. Okay, that's amazing. I'm not sure I'd like to eat poo, but it sounds like a really great symbiotic relationship. That's wonderful. Yeah, great for the anemones. <laughs> they, they love to eat it. <laughs> that's fantastic. I'm glad somebody does. Something I was not <laughs> delighted to read in your book is something I didn't know about. I didn't know about saltwater crocodiles, and now I feel trepidation. Oh no. Well, yeah, they're quite incredible beasts, aren't they? They're, they're yeah. huge. I've seen them when, when I was in Australia and they are, I mean, I knew that they were big 
and I kind of imagined them in my head and then when I saw them I was like oh you are big (laughs) (laughs) how big are we talking are they much bigger than the normal ones yeah I mean compared to the other females I've seen (laughs) They were massive, nearly as long as two of me, which I mean, in a a powerful, muscly crocodile is pretty. Yes, they look like tanks in the book. And that was really scary. Um, Yeah. And where, (laughs) where would I find them? I like, where should I never go in my life ever? They're mainly in Australia. Okay, good. Um, I live in Ireland, so it's fine. Yeah. (laughs) Don't go swimming off the coast of Australia would be my (laughs) advice because there's so many dangerous things. Yes. (laughs) What makes a jellyfish glow? It's called bioluminescence um, and they make their own light, which makes them look like they're glowing in the dark. And quite a lot of deep sea creatures do this, but exactly how they do it, I don't know. In other creatures, um, they do it by combining a couple of chemicals. So I guess maybe it's that same thing. Really cool. They look stunning. They look absolutely gorgeous. And you also wrote that moon jellyfish can get younger as well as older. And that was something I wanted to ask you about. How does that work? Yeah, so it's really weird. They found that um, jellyfish cells, they don't they don't die and, and get older in the same way that human ones do. And so loads of people are doing this research because obviously if, uh, if there's an animal that can do it, there might be some way that we yes. can use that sort of biology and use it on our own cells to stop us getting older but I think they're quite far away from that but what what a weird fact I mean how can that how can that be possible yes (laughs) it's completely mad but there's so many amazing and mad things under the water what does an octopus want with a coconut shell well, lots of different things, actually. Um, so the the coconut octopuses that collect these coconuts, they've, they've used them for all sorts of different things. I don't know if they learn from other octopuses, like they watch, oh, I really like how you're wearing that coconut as a hat. I'm going to do that today. <laughs> or, you know, they use them to protect themselves from predators. They hide in them to sleep in them. I don't know if they just, these new ideas occur to them or they learn from each other. I mean, just bizarre. But yeah. How many things can you do with a coconut? Well, if you're a coconut octopus, apparently a lot. Wow, that's really interesting. I wonder, do they have competitions as to who's got the best coconuts? Um, if they don't, they definitely should. Definitely should. A great reality TV show there, I think. Yes. The octopus community is underserved. Flying fish. What is the deal with a flying fish? How does it fly? What does it do? Yeah, so, I mean, they're not actually flying. Uh, What they're really doing is they're leaping out of the water because something's chasing them. But because they have these amazing elongated fins that they can splay out that look like wings, it really does look like they're flying. Um, And it's a really great adaptation for if you want to escape from a predator that is stuck in the water, if you jump out of the water, it can't get you. Very clever. And I was wondering, were you always interested in books as a kid? Were you a good reader? Yeah, I was a massive bookworm. Um, My mum likes to tell me that I used to walk around with a book in my face the whole time. Like I would be cleaning my teeth, eating my breakfast with my nose buried in a book. (laughs) So yeah, I've always loved books. And I sort of I mean, I, I wrote my first book when I was six. I wow. got a little notebook and it was um, it was called Bone Mountain. And it was about this dog who kept biting on this bone and it got bigger and bigger and, and turned into a mountain. So I always wanted to, I always loved to read books and I always wanted to write them, but I never actually believed that I would be able to. 
And do you have a top tip for any of our listeners who would absolutely love to write their own books? Read lots and write lots. The more you read, the more you'll understand about how books work, what's good, what's not good, what you like. And writing is all about practice. So just write, 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 write. It's like any skill. The more you do it, the better you'll get at it. Well, we couldn't let Jess go without first subjecting her to the grueling We Love Books favourites round. Ready, Jess? I hope so. What is your favourite colour? Sunshine yellow. That's a great answer. Here's a really hard one. Your favourite animal? Oh no, that is <laughs> Monkeys, woolly, mo- woolly monkeys. <laughs> I'm just imagining loads of monkeys and jumpers now. Um, that's, I mean, that's pretty accurate. That is pretty much what it looks like. What is your favourite day of the week? Oh, um, Saturday. Your favourite month of the year? June, because that's when my birthday is. What is your favourite food? Pasta. Your favourite hot drink? Tea. Favourite pizza topping? Goat's cheese. Your favourite kids book? Oh no. Um, The Wind Singer by William Nicholson. Your favourite holiday that you ever took? Oh, maybe Australia, seeing the saltwater crocodiles. Brilliant, I'll join you next time. It'll be brilliant. (laughs) And finally, your favourite gift you ever got from Santa? Oh, I remember. I got the amazing, cosy, comfy slippers that were shaped like squirrels. Now on We Love Books, it's over to you. I wanted to know, what kind of book would you write if you sat down to write one tomorrow? 12-year-old William would like to scare and intrigue us with a horror fantasy. I'm not very good at writing books with dialogue in it, so I'd probably just go with some sort of storyline. I'd say I'm good at children's books and horror books, so I do one of those, I gotta say. I'd say they'd be charismatic and generally cool and someone who you would want to be friends with. I think the villain would be like someone you wouldn't like because I feel like all of the villains in current books and films are all someone who everyone thinks looks cooler and just generally is better. So I'd pick someone who people would just generally dislike and want to lose. I would probably write about crazy wild stuff that might happen to me. Well, that's it for today's We Love Books. A huge thanks to all the kids who took part and to the adults who made it possible. Join me next week for more book chat when X Factor host with the most Mr. Dermot O'Leary is in the house with the newest adventure from Toto the Ninja Cat. I'm Neve Bennett. This is We Love Books. And until next time, happy reading. Happy reading.